Welcome to Clean Break, the weekly life transitions podcast, where we share the stories and experiences of professionals that help families create a new path for themselves. Find all the answers about the many complex questions about transitioning your life through relationship separation, starting a new career, having babies, and many other life transitions. Find out more at mycleanbreak.ca. Here are your hosts, Darren and Tina. Hello again, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Clean Break, the podcast. We're back at it again, and I'm joined by my always awesome host, co-host, Tina Murray. Hello, Darren. Welcome to everyone and to you, and a very exciting, uh, interesting show we have today. So uh, I will actually send it right back to you, and then we'll introduce our guests in a minute. Awesome. Thank you. Yes, today's episode is going to be a panel discussion about gray divorce. So there's been a lot in the media these days about people that are over the age of 50 getting divorced and and how it's impacting their lives and how it might be different from a traditional separation or divorce. Mm -hmm. Uh, So today's episode is going to be around that. It's exciting. So who do we have with us? Yeah. So today we have Adam Mills. He is the broker of record with Royal LePage Team Realty, which is your own real estate brokerage. That's right. Yeah. Right. And you're based in the Ottawa area. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And we also have Natalie Picard. She is the founder and accredited mediator and collaborative lawyer. Um, So Natalie, welcome to the show as well. Thank you. So you have, uh, so you're the founder of Alt Divorce. I should have mentioned that. So. Thank you. Thank you for uh, joining us today. I am Tina Murray, uh, representing myself as a mortgage agent. I I am a mortgage agent with DLC, the mortgage source. So we'll be talking mortgages a little bit. And Darren, who are you here representing on the the panel? Well, I'm representing myself uh, as a financial advisor and and certified divorce financial analyst. I work with O'Farrell Financial and uh, I work on divorce cases mm-hmm. in, the, in the financial side of it so fabulous okay so let's talk great divorce one of the things that spurred us on i've you know written notes about future prod- podcasts and said we need to talk about great divorce because it is so mm-hmm. so much more going on mm-hmm. um particularly this year right and and 2020 i think the numbers have mm-hmm. have really popped up so there was an article that kind of spurred this on and it was from the globe and mail um, and it talked about gray divorce. So I think one of the key points they were making was uh, the disadvantages for some parties, mm-hmm. especially when you get into the gray divorce or the people who are pushing over 50 years old, because if they've been in a traditional marriage for 20, 30 or more years, um, you know, that comes with its own challenges because it's not like if you're getting out of the marriage after so long of being with someone. Uh, you're completely reinventing yourself, Mm -hmm. right? So I really like the article and how they discussed um, some of the challenges that maybe some mature women have when they've been dependent on one partner for so long and that partner is taking care of the finance and that person is taking care of all the repairs, maybe in the house, the cars, the kids, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And the article was, it was kind of almost like a lightning rod for me because I was like, wow, is this really a thing? And the, the statistics really really show that that there's a there's a wave coming that that we're in right now there is a wave and there's a bigger wave coming down the road because people are making a decision that you know 
maybe they've been living with their partner and it's more like they've been best friends for so long and they're not really intimate anymore. Or roommates. Some yeah. people say I've been a roommate for 20 years with my husband or wife or yep. whatever. And the kids are gone now. Yep. And they're saying, Hey, I don't want to be with this person for the rest of my life anymore because I don't have that grounding of the kids anymore. Right. So, well, and the article even alluded to, you know, even some people a little bit older, right. So 65 that, you know, kids are gone, but the kids are, but they're 65, but the spouse has worked 12 hour shifts or straight days, long hours. So they've still been able to keep that comfortable roommate status and now coming and going as you please. And now the spouse is no longer working in your home together 24 hours a day mm -hmm. right big big difference now now you now you're being and covid you're being forced to spend time together yes. right so it's you're in this position where oh my god i'm not a big fan of this person and spending this much time with the person so they're making choices mm -hmm. one thing I, in the article i thought that was interesting in terms of um you know how i guess rampant it is if that's the right word to use uh, was I mean, I think the, the amount of gray divorce is up about 80%. They're saying from 2010 mm -hmm. to 2020. So, I mean, that's that's yeah. a massive, 80% yeah. is a huge increase. I mean, yeah, it's it's, yeah, that's monstrous. I mean, obviously it's a, it's, it's a, it's a very relevant topic. So yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a good one to dive into for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So then let's get right into it. Yeah. Um, one of the conversations we discussed was, you know, now that we've identified the, the group and how they're different is some of the opportunity uh, sorry the challenges that they have and i know adam you and i uh spoke offline about some challenges in the real estate side of it because now mm -hmm. you're coming from a family that's in this big house or a house that you've been in for 30 years it's appreciated in value tremendously um and now you want to move on to something else what are the challenges you see in your industry right now with the housing prices I mean, right now for any buyer out there, I mean, buying into a market that's, you know, appreciating very quickly that you might be getting into multiple offers. Um, I mean, certainly it's quite hard to, to jump into that. It's not a straight, you know, straightforward or a streamlined process. Um, and on top of that, I mean, if you're, you know, you're coming out of that larger home, maybe you're, you know, both parties are retired. I mean, you know, how, how does it, do you need to get a mortgage? And if you do, are you even able to qualify for one? Maybe you're lucky enough and have a pension. And if you don't, how is that going to work? So, I mean, I think from a financial perspective, it, it, it really handcuffs people quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and they have to make sure that they're, I, I mean, and to, and this is kind of to both of you. I mean, Tina can speak to the mortgage bit. And then I think, Darren, for you, it's how does the financial future planning for essentially, you know, funding retirement, like, you know, kind of fit into that, that whole mix? Mm -hmm. Well, you think about it when people, you know, I've said this through all divorces, right? So, you know, a lot of people struggle financially to, fund a household, a household, one household, mm -hmm. right? And now you're, you're taking the same amount of income and dividing it to two households, mm -hmm. right? So now you're looking at retired income where, you know, I think of the real estate industry and I think of how many houses, like the large houses are going for those prices, but the smaller houses aren't really going for that much less. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you yeah. may make a million dollars, but you may still have to pay, spend 700 each. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, you sell something, you sell a big house for a million one, two, and then you say, okay, great, we'll each buy a townhouse for 600, 650. You're, you're actually at a, you know, by the time you pay for land transfer, legal fees, moving costs, yeah. it's cost you more money. Like you, right. So now you're into, you're eating away savings potentially to, to make this move. Right, yeah. right. So, so, so that's a struggle. For um, sure, that's I, a huge challenge. I, I, think, I think a big uh, item that people need to think about there is cash flow, right? Mm -hmm. is Absolutely. Because 
no one wants to feel like they're going in reverse yeah. in life, mm -hmm. especially when you're at that moment. So mm -hmm. you might, people might feel almost like they're handcuffed in the relationship, like they have to stay in it. Right. I think there's opportunities there. For so, sure. so just to flip that part, right? We're going to get to opportunities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're trying part. not just... to scare everybody. <laughs> well, right? that's the thing. I kind of feel like like if people are listening, going, "Oh my God, what's going on?" Right? Yeah, so, oh, I'm just turning this thing off. Yeah. Just to alleviate that part, though, um, from cash flow is understanding the cash flow, and like you said, when you're financing two houses, something that that people don't understand is if they have that six hundred thousand dollar house, there's there's still the utilities. Mm -hmm. So when you're in a bigger house and you're sharing utilities, you might, you're not using necessarily double the utilities. Mm -hmm. You're not using double uh, of the costs. So when you go to two though, mm -hmm. you are, mm -hmm. yeah. you are, you have more costs. Right. And I think that's one thing that some people yeah. don't understand yeah. about, about, you know, mm -hmm. buying another house. And that's why some people may choose to rent too. Right. Right. Although and it's that's crazy. The rent is crazy. And as well. very difficult to find rental properties. Exactly. Yeah. Rent rental. I mean, there, there's some out there for sure, depending on where you want to be. Um, the caution I would have, and I think renting is a great uh, short term solution. Mm -hmm. My caution would be, and it, it depends on your financial plan, but would be if you plan to rent for 20 or, or, or 15, 20 years, if you ever at some point in your life want to get back into the real estate market, you're essentially going to have missed the wave. So if that market appreciates at three, five or 10% per year for the next 15 years and you wait, there's no chance you're buying back into that because you don't have an asset that's going to appreciate that quickly along mm -hmm. with it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you, you basically need to kind of make your bed and say, okay, well, am I going to just rent for life, you know, or maybe a very short term, but the midterm range of renting to me scares me because again, you're going to miss the appreciation wave of, of being able to then buy mm -hmm. back into the market. Mm -hmm. Would you say that if they're going to, if people are going to rent, uh, it's a good opportunity, I guess, for them to think and get themselves organized. Would yeah. you agree? I think I think renting um, is, it, especially because if, so say you're selling, we'll go back to the example, you're selling this big house, maybe out in the suburbs somewhere, um, and, you're, and you're saying, okay, you know what, fresh start, I'm hitting, you know, hitting reset on things. Maybe then you want to dive into uh, trying a new lifestyle. So maybe you're like, you know what, I've always wanted to live downtown. A condo sounds exciting to me. I can walk to, you know, like to mm -hmm. coffee shops, wine bars, whatever mm -hmm. it is I want to do, mm -hmm. uh, concerts. Um, so maybe I'll rent for a year and I'll, I'll test drive an apartment. Mm -hmm. I'll test drive a building and see if this fits me. And if it right. does great, then I'll buy into right. it. Mm -hmm. You know, so maybe, it, maybe it's a test drive kind of process. Right. Like just trial, trial yes. lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. Get a lay of the land. Yeah. And yeah. also um, if the uh, matrimonial home hasn't been sold, um, you're kind of stuck. So it might be, as you're saying, sort of a, mm -hmm. a, a transition. Yeah. So you might rent for a year, um and once a matrimonial home is sold then mm. you might each be able to buy and yeah, we see that good. a lot because mm -hmm. with us um we're preparing the separation agreement and um you know if you're doing mediation collaborative law it can be fairly quick uh quick one year or so six months a year but um if you're doing a traditional separation through court, which I really don't recommend, <laughs> or even um, negotiation, it can take a really long time. So people are stuck living together and mm. it's really difficult. So if possible it, as a transition yeah. to rent, and then once a matrimonial home is sold, mm -hmm. um, then each purchase something. Yeah. Now the good news is, is the real estate market is cooling a little bit right yes. now, right? Like, yeah. Compared to right. its high point of say the uh, 2020 and 2021, mm -hmm. the beginning of 2021, things are slowing a little bit more now. Yeah. From, from June, things have definitely slowed down a little bit. Um, in July, when they uh, you know announced step three, so the world kind of opened back up. 
I think people a year and a half of kind of pent up leisure has just been slammed into the summer. Um, so buyers right now, I mean, we, we mm-hmm. could find them the perfect house and say, Hey, look at this house. Let's go, let's book a show and go look at it. And all we hear back from is let's wait till September. You know, like I'm going camping, I'm going to a cottage, I'm seeing a friend, I'm, you know, I'm going to BC. I'm just doing the things I've been wanting to do for a year and a half. Um, I really think, and I mean, a lot of other people in the industry outside of me are saying that September will, you know, we'll see a kind of a kickstart to the market again. Uh, buyers will be back in full force and, and things I think will pick back up. I don't know if it'll go back to the point of where it was in the, you know, the heart of the pandemic. Um, but I think things will definitely strengthen and, and, and continue to, to appreciate for sure. What do you think is, is, are some things that, that might help uh, temper some of the growth in the markets right now? So things that people should be looking for indicators, you know, when they're, when they're considering buying. I think at the end of the day, I mean, if you're buying and you're looking at the market, I mean, ultimately buyers are looking to, to achieve a lifestyle. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of hard to time. I mean, if you're an investor, it's easier to, mm-hmm. to time it and say, okay, well, the market looks like, I mean, right now, great time. I mean, there's, there's inventory sitting there, things aren't being snapped up. So mm-hmm. for an investor, it's great. Or for a buyer who wants to move now, great opportunity. But I mean, if someone's going through a, a lifestyle change being relocated, if it hits you in September, October, November, you're just, you're moving right. then. You gotta deal with it. So you yeah. kind of deal with what you're going to deal mm-hmm. with at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's harder, it's harder to time um, if it's your primary residence and you're kind of being pushed towards mm-hmm. moving. Yeah. Yeah. Tina, uh, t- tell us yeah, about the challenges with mortgage and lending when people are separating. So Natalie alluded to it very much, right? Mm-hmm. When there's still that matrimonial home, particularly if there's still a mortgage on it, that matrimonial mm-hmm. home basically needs to be sold or purchased by one of the parties, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So without something hard, fast in writing about it, or if that client can afford to purchase a new home and still debt service, fully debt service the other one. Right. So that's a challenge. Right. So a lot of people come to me and go, well, I saw a house. I want to buy a house. Do you have a separation agreement yet? Is the matrimonial home sold or is your partner taking it over? Well, we haven't got to that yet. I'm glad that you say that. Yeah, that's a huge challenge. (laughs) Right. And so unless that partner that's coming to me is saying, yeah, no, that's okay. I have the means to qualify for both. Mm -hmm. Then it's basically dead in the water. And most lenders won't give an extended mortgage without Mm -hmm. the separation agreement. Mm -hmm. Correct. That's right. I know sometimes like in this hot market, um, people are making offers mm-hmm. unconditionally, right? And that could, would that be like a something that could, <laughs> you're doing the Zen thing? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that scares me. <laughs> well, it scares me just when it comes to the, the, the like the uh, inspections mm-hmm. and is the property sound, yeah. right? Is mm-hmm. there problems that you need to know about before you say unconditional? Mm-hmm. But then it's also, now it's the financing part mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. which is, yeah. is part of that separation agreement, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, yeah. I was just. This is a hot topic. Yeah, I hate getting that call. Um, Oh, I just bought a house. What do you mean you just bought a house? And then we have to wrap up the separation agreement. And sometimes people have to accept deals that they don't, that aren't good for them. Mm -hmm. They're backed into a corner. Mm -hmm. I always say to them, do not please, the first thing, do not purchase um, until we have a separation agreement in mm-hmm. place. But, and I'm glad you give them the same advice because yeah. it's not every broker and it's not every real estate mm-hmm. agent that does that. So mm-hmm. I'm but glad the thing that you is, guys is are that doing you're that. setting your clients, you're setting yes. your customers up for failure yes. if you do that, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I have had, no, I have had purchases without separation agreements. I have been able to do that. 
Mm-hmm. But generally, there's no matrimonial home, mm-hmm. no children yes. or adult children or no child support required or spousal right? supports, child or spousal support required. Yeah. Um, so there are instances where it can be done. Right. So I know we're talking gray divorce. So we're not usually talking about child support at that Correct. point in time. Yes. But with, you know, spousal support, if you if if it is, let's say the woman and has raised her children for 30 years and mm-hmm. then now is is reliant upon some income from the husband till that's set in stone. And we are working with a mutual client who doesn't need the spousal support. She'll get it, but she doesn't need it to qualify to buy the house. Mm-hmm. The key is we still need something in writing to say mm-hmm. he is buying her out of the house because that needs to be done mm-hmm. and that she doesn't owe spousal support, mm-hmm. right? Correct. Because she has yeah. a good income too. He yeah. just has a much better one. Yeah. Do you guys yeah. see issues like, I'm picturing great divorce, you know, people are fairly established. They own a home, probably have um, a home equity line of credit set up that has a zero balance. Mm-hmm. Do you see people getting into issues and that are going through great divorce who might say, oh, well, I'll just draw off the home equity line of credit. I'll buy a house and then we'll deal with the separation later. Because because I, I think they would have to still debt service that somehow some way right like when yeah. that separation happens like... yeah I haven't seen that happen no okay. no I personally haven't I mean I'm sure it does mm-hmm. right I was like... thinking from a strategy perspective in my mind like if I had a large home equity line of credit maybe I would use that to then buy another buy house, buy another house and right. one party can move out yeah, yeah. that that. No. Yeah, I haven't seen that. But and is that something that you've seen at all? Or? Uh, no, I haven't seen okay. it. And um, the issue would be, <laughs> exactly. the issue would be if let's say you and I are divorcing and we jointly have a $500,000 line of credit. So I take the $500,000 line of credit and I buy a house in my name. Right. Now you and I jointly own this house and all of that debt and And i own this house on my own accord right right? Right. so that wouldn't fly well with you i put myself in a bad spot here (laughs) i'm too too generous i mean creatively it (laughs) sounds like a wonderful idea right Mm. because then each gets their own homes but Mm -hmm. but legally it's better to wait it's better to wait yeah. So it's, one question I have for you then, Tina, on that same vein yeah. with financing is what it, what happens when both partners are retired and now on a fixed income? How does that affect the ability to cash flow the mortgages as, or does it? No, it, as long as the as long as you debt service mm-hmm. with the income coming in mm-hmm. to what your mortgage payment and all your other debt obligations are, right. it doesn't. The only reason I ask that yeah. is typically when people are accustomed to a lifestyle, when they're working in their working careers, right. that's a different question. Their incomes are <laughs> much higher, right? Mm. So yeah. they don't feel that there is a cash flow issue while they're working. Right. Then they retire. They're comfortable on their light on their income. Right. But they don't realize the impact on debt servicing if they were to take on debt on debt. Right. Right. So the question, and I mean, this is maybe a little bit different, but you have to look at it and say, right, we talk about debt servicing, right? So I always talk about what you know, lots of clients will come in and they'll say, well, I'll say you, what do you want me to tell you? How much you qualify for or how much you can afford? Because to yeah, me, those are two different things. Different questions. Right? Yeah. What kind of lifestyle do you want to live in this home? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. What kind of lifestyle do you, you know, what kind of payment can you afford versus what can you buy? 
Right. And those yeah. are two That's different excellent. things. excellent. Yeah. Right. They're very two, they are very much two different things. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think the same thing would go. Yes, lots of people, but they also have to realize that you've now taken the lifestyle you've come accustomed to with both people living in one home with that income to now dividing it in two. Right. People have to be realistic with that. There are going to potentially be changes to your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, along that same, again, since we're on cash flow, yeah. Natalie, there's probably some people out there maybe concerned about how much they're going to get when their partner was the primary breadwinner, right? So you've got, you know, one partner spouse that's making $200,000 a year and the other one was working a part-time job or something like that, just to, you know, have fun money, gas money, milk money, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that partner was making $15,000 a year part-time and the other partner was making 200,000. What would you say to someone in that situation that's worried that they wouldn't like, where was my income income going to come from? Um, well, normally we would, I would run some numbers with them. Okay. Um, I would run what we call um, SAG calculations mm. um, and to show them um, what they could, if they qualify, because it's a, a two-pronged test, right? With the spousal support, first they have to be entitled. I won't get into that because it's, it's a two-hour, <laughs> it's a two-hour <laughs> show. And then if they're entitled, then it would be the quantum. So when I run the numbers, I can show them um, what they could um, obtain. Um, and also we have to analyze the, um, the relationship, the roles taken uh, into the marriage, for example, somebody that uh, is a stay-at-home parent um, that put their career aside and as a result of that suffers economic disadvantage, well, they would be entitled to what we call um, uh, compensatory support. So there's different types of support. There's compensatory, there's financial. Again, I won't get into that, but I do that um, analysis way in the beginning. And I do it with the payer as well, just to manage people's expectations and lower their stress level. Right, because right. everybody's thinking, oh my God, I can't, won't be able to do this. I'm going to end up in a cardboard box. It's right. it, it, yeah. Everybody thinks that, right? And or it's some would maybe, yeah, exactly. oh, I'm going to get kajillion dollars because my spouse made so much. Exactly, right? exactly. So it's tempering so you those. Need to manage just like you do mm-hmm. with your clients. Um, we manage their expectations as well. And we try and reduce their stress level way up front because they have all those questions. So we do that as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. I think uh, spousal support is such a deep conversation. It's There's so many <laughs> moving pieces to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, very interesting for somebody like me, but there's a lot of moving pieces to yeah. it. But we do educational pieces yeah. where we walk people through all that. Yeah. I think one of the dangers for people is they go online, they run yes. online calculators yes. and go, woohoo, I'm getting, yes. you know, yes. $8,000 yes. a month, you know, and yes. it's like, well, you know, every that's kind of like very yes. Yeah. You're just scratching that surface, right. right? You have, it's everyone's relationship is different. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. All the obligations are different and what each partner has contributed and not contributed to the relationship right. will affect it. And right. I think that's a big thing that most people. Yeah. And do. that's why you need to do that. Sorry. You need to yeah, that, no. do that ahead. Mm-hmm. Like right. you need to address that, mm-hmm. especially with a great divorce. It's got to be one of the most scariest things mm-hmm. is yeah. the support piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you address it way up front and you manage both partners' expectations, because I, I work 
with mediation and we do collaborative law as well where both lawyers do that as well and get them that information so that they know um, what to expect. I think that's really important. Well, and you know, like yesterday I had a client call me and said, she had gotten my name from someone else who said I worked miracles. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you're sitting on your wings. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? You're not the person that have said that, but thank you. However, I, you know, like it's just, and she's like, well, her situation is this, 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 and this, and ours is this, 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 and this. And I'm like, yep. I said, but no two situations are the same. Right. Well, yes, I was able to get them a mortgage. And yes, it would appear I did a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> the miracle is really all about coaching you. Because yeah. I said that we got talking and I said, so you've been to a couple other mortgage brokers. And I said, and what kind of information did they give you? Zero. Okay. So this is the difference. This is where what it, why it makes me a miracle worker because I'm going to explain everything to you mm-hmm. and I'm going to walk you through it because the answer may be no today, but six weeks from now, when you do what I tell you to do, mm-hmm. maybe the answer will be yes. That's the only miracle there is here. Oh, is man, that- you just sound a little like a mom right there. <laughs> <laughs> you would not believe how many times my kids say, you're such a mom. <laughs> like I have yeah, but there's value in that. Teenage. There's value in yeah, that. Right? Yeah, there's, there's there's you're such a mom. I'm like, that's, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm going through. Sorry, separation. Yeah. They need, you know, they need that support. They need that information. And so, you know, it's you a need benefit. to say, to, like, that's where, like, when you said that, you go through that. It's like, that is eye opening for people. Mm-hmm. And no, two situations are the same you could have the same husband's working in the same places Mm -hmm. for the same amount of time making the same amount of money one wife worked part-time one wife didn't there could be you know you had two kids you have three kids there could there's there's no every family's maybe that family got inheritances and there's more familiar familiar money or whatever you know there's no situation is the Mm -hmm. same one of one of the things you just touched on and and it kind of leads into um, how everything is divided, right? And I always say to clients when they ask me about it is that divorce is a negotiation, right? You, aside from child support, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not a lawyer, but aside from child support, nothing else is mandated per se. Like you could technically one partner can waive their rights to everything and say, you know what? I just want to be done with this. I want nothing from you. You can have it. You can see Natalie's bursting at the yeah. scenes right now. Yeah. You can have it all, right? And sign a document, sign, dated, witnessed. So I always say that to people. By the by the way, you can take a roll of toilet paper, sign witness. On it, I see a napkin. Napkin, <laughs> sign it, date it, witness it, contract. Mm-hmm. So be careful what you agree to. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about that, Natalie? <laughs> yeah. Um, is that true? Is the question. Oh, the napkin thing? Yes. yes. Can you sign away everything but child support? Oh, signing away. Yes, you can. You can, you know, you can leave a whole bunch of stuff on the table. Okay. But that's really scary. Well, it's stupid. Sorry. It, well, no, no. It, <laughs> no. It's, it's really scary. And so I'm going to speak about mediation or even collaborative law when I'm a lawyer. But mediation, it's really scary because as a mediator, 
I know that that person that's leaving a whole bunch of stuff on the table maybe feels guilty because they decided to leave. Maybe they're depressed. There's a lot of reasons, right? And that especially if they don't, because I say to them, especially if they're leaving stuff on the table, I say, you have to go see lawyers. You have to sign with lawyers um, because otherwise that agreement is not worth the paper it's written on. So, and in the future, if somebody says, you know, I was depressed, I didn't know what I was doing, I felt guilty, and they want to come back and um, set the agreement aside, well, what do you think a judge is going to say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So do, do you get that? Um, they, they need to go see a lawyer if they're going to do that. Mm-hmm. When you said a little earlier about, um, you know, determining, you know, all the different particulars, did the wife work, did the, you know, who stayed at home, there's got to be a burden of proof on one partner's side. How do you prove? Like, there must be some like digging in, investigating you have to do in order to say, you know, spouse one says, well, I quit. I was, you know, I went to university to be a, an electronic engine, mechanical engineer. And then, you know, I worked for three years, was progressing. We had kids made the decision to not do it. Like, how do you prove that? Is it just something that everybody just agrees to? Um, there's a lot of things that, and, and the thing is, I'm lucky because now I don't do traditional um, like court or traditional negotiation. So I do mostly mediation and collaborative law. And people, they may disagree on maybe, um, you know, who did the cooking, the cleaning. Maybe it's sometimes it's a 40, 60, or 50, 50, one may say 50, 50, the other one will say, hmm, but the facts, they pretty much agree, they're able to agree on the facts, so if they're doing collaborative and Mm -hmm. mediation, yeah, right, and even in court, there's certain things that are hard to uh, disprove, but you're right, like in court, it's a different, it's completely different. And, and sometimes in court, you kind of look at the file and you say, my God, is this the same couple? They're saying black and white. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like it's the same people, you know, but um, yeah, you have to get at the truth. So, um, or at the facts, it's a bit more uh, difficult. It's a bit more expensive as well it's not um but if you're doing mediation or collaborative law i find that people if they come to that they can find a middle ground Mm -hmm. it's just a percentage that they may disagree but it's not enough to change the outcome so Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that's part of what this article is speaking to as well one thing that the article from the globe mail said is that most of these people are very respectful of each other that's right yeah it did, you know it didn't they're they're yeah, yeah they're not as combative mm-hmm. maybe as younger people or what younger mm-hmm. couples who are especially in a shorter period of time because they mm-hmm. spent so much time together right mm-hmm. they they've just reached that point in their lives well if you're, if you're yeah if you're 20 or 30 years in a marriage and you're you're you know you're you become like roommates or whatever i mean i don't think you're necessarily angry at that individual i think it's just, just you're you trying to say you know what's the point of this like why right. are we doing this mm-hmm. let's move on with life right mm-hmm. now that you're not coming from a point of frustration you're just coming from a point of like a realization i'm just saying like well this mm-hmm. is this has been fun but why are we still mm-hmm. doing this right, let's right. Move right. On. but it depends yeah. the process though mm-hmm. yeah you're right it depends the process because what i see yes but before when i used to do more um traditional processes Mm -hmm. adversarial processes because now i do non-adversarial uh i would see that one couple yeah Mm -hmm. that one client lash out at the other one 
in a traditional setting, mm -hmm. but with non-traditional settings, uh, with mediation collaborative law, we manage clients' expectations, right? right? We work with them and we reason with them. And they may come to us and say, you know, I want to take her down. I want to take him down. And then we, 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 we show them that it's not going to be cost effective. It's not going to be time effective. And it's not, you're not going to get your, your day in court. A judge is not going to say, oh yes, it's her fault. Or it's you're right. Fault. He's wrong. Exactly. Whatever. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So yeah. people don't understand that. But once they understand the reality, um, most of the time you can manage their expectations. And if not, then they're going somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. I think another one of the things too, Adam, when you were speaking about uh, the relationship part, people are living longer now. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Like if you went That's back to our parents, yeah. I was fortunate. My father was here until he was 88, but wow. that wasn't, that wasn't the traditional, that wasn't the, the, the norm. I would mm -hmm. say the life expectancy for people back in probably right. the eighties was probably 70 something. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Nowadays people are living in late eighties and nineties. And I think I think that's why people are now deciding, you know, especially in the gray side, I still years. got another 30 years. Yeah. It's not like we're going to be, we're going to retire and five years later, we're both going to be passed on. Mm -hmm. I got another 20 years to live my life. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so that kind of brings me to some questions for you, Darren, is that how do you manage those expectations in a gray divorce with there's a set amount of money? It's, you know, by the time you're at that age where you're looking to retire, you're not investing in those high risk investments. So how do you set those expectations from your perspective in a divorcing situation? That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I think one of the big conversation pieces is allowing people to express where they want their journey to go is listening to their values, listening mm. to their story, mm. getting it on the table first, because I don't want to be the guy that's that kiboshes everything and says, oh my God, it's all negative. Because it doesn't have to be negative. Right. right. We all have choices to make, right? And and quite often when people are pre-divorce, I always say that or sorry, pre-retirement is what I meant to say. Um, the longer you have to prepare for the retirement, the better it is. Because now if you can identify the problems that might happen in the future, mm, you right. can make choices on, on what you want to do. Do you right. want to work a little bit longer? Do you want to retire with less money? Do you want to save more money? These right. are all choices, yes. right? When someone comes in in a great divorce, divorce and they're retired or thinking about already being retired very soon, you don't have a lot of opportunities to move things around. Mm -hmm. So you have to have very frank and honest conversations. Yeah. You know, and I think that's one thing I, I try to do with every meeting is I don't sugarcoat it. I try to listen to the story and say, how do we get that story? But maybe we have to make some changes to it. Right. So how do, how do I manage that? I think I was alluding back to that when we were talking about the negotiating part. Because when you're negotiating the assets of the marriage, it's so important to understand how everything is taxed and how everything is going to benefit yes. you or, or, yes. or is, is going to slow you down or, or, or challenge you. Because some assets like RSPs uh, or RIFs, if you're already retired, they're fully taxable as income. So if you're trading those for something mm -hmm. like the house or cash or an asset that's already been taxed or is not going to be taxed, then it's not a dollar for dollar. Mm -hmm. And most people see uh, million dollar RSP accounts mm -hmm. and they yes. think, oh, this is great. You take the house, yeah. I'll take the RSPs. I'm like, well, you just <clears> lost $300,000 yeah. in tax yeah. from taxes, mm -hmm. right? For yeah. giving the house to the spouse. So I think it's a big, the big conversation is before they sign the agreement and, it's, and the negotiations are done, is understanding what you want, 
and how it's going to benefit you or mm-hmm. challenge you. Mm-hmm. Cottages are a great example of that. Yes. Because people love cottages. They raise their kids there. They have their mm-hmm. stories there. They, you know, the memories are there. They're so passionate about it. But at the end of the day, if they don't need the cottage, why are you fighting so hard for it? Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you really want it because you're passionate about it, but at the same time, it's not going to benefit you because you're going to give away everything else mm-hmm. to keep it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's the questions I would ask. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you really need it? You know, so uh, I guess that's the only thing I would say is, is you really have to have a conversation about cash flow mm-hmm. and, 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 a, and a black and white. So whenever I do meetings with clients, I always have a budget template and I say, listen, you can do this. You don't have to do this. It's up to you. I'm not mm-hmm. here to be yeah. mom and dad, oh, right? No, I, I, people hate I, budgets, no, no, right? They're like, they hate budgets. Yeah, They're like, oh my God, it's going to yeah, constrain yeah. me. Yeah. I try to call it. Um, uh, a lifestyle plan. I say, here, do this lifestyle plan for me. And they're like, what? Oh, this is a budget. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'll call it what you want. <laughs> but, but there's many things in your cash flow that most people don't realize they're mm-hmm. paying for. Mm-hmm. When you itemize things, mm-hmm. it makes it very clear. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, I didn't realize I spent that much on hair salons or uh, shoes the or dog. watches the or the dog <laughs> or the, the parrot. <laughs> the parrot yes. Right? Oh, yes. <laughs> so then the, but the beauty of it is that it's not there to constrain you. It's there to educate you mm-hmm. and then allow you to, again, going back to my first comment, make choices mm-hmm. that you really want to make. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I know that when you first started as a certified divorce Financial analyst, certified divorce financial analyst. Right? <laughs> yeah. Certified divorce yeah. financial yeah. analyst. Yeah. yeah. Um, you you did a lot working with one party, mm-hmm. right? Which is great because it's it's. But then you throw in that one party is now going to the other party and saying, "My financial advisor says this," mm-hmm. and then they for tat here. Let's go get money, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now I know you're doing a lot more collaborative stuff. Yeah, I am. I, I am. I, I like it. I and like mediation. it. I like yeah, it. And mediation, mediation for sure. It's yeah. it's a much more amicable conversation yeah. where it's less adversarial and it's less. Yeah. I find I find the uh, the mediation and the collaborative process is great because mm-hmm. it's not one person wins, the other person loses. Mm-hmm. It's not you're trying yeah. to to benefit one party mm-hmm. over at the expense of someone else. Yeah. It, it it just feels wrong. You so know? you're doing one plan. Pretty much, like pretty much dividing it up, but making it parity, parity, giving parity for both yeah. parties in their financial mem- matters, right? Yeah. yeah. Like I love that, and particularly as people age, like it's good to be able to know that you have one person that's not biased, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. working for you both mm-hmm. to give you what's equitable. Yeah. yeah. He's right? like a mediator when he does that on the financial you know, side. Yeah. And, and that's excellent. And it's excellent, excellent to have somebody like him mm-hmm. where I run different scenarios for support. And then I run, you know, the numbers for the property. And I say, Darren, you know, the parties are looking at these three different scenarios. This mm-hmm. is the support and this is the property and this is how we'll divide it or this will divide it this way or that way. And I say here, Darren, you know, run the numbers and then we can compare. And I had one case where the lawyers, we were doing collaborative, both lawyers thought A was the best and it had spousal support. But when we saw all the numbers and the graphs and everything, it wasn't the best one. Over 20 years, the parties were better with a scenario that didn't have spousal support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and that's what the really? um, yeah the that's a big advisor part of it. That's a big part of it because yes. over time the projections aren't going to be bulletproof. But right. if they're run conservatively, 
Right. You can say to the person, well, if this is what you want, I understand. However, mm -hmm. you should realize in 15 years, you're going to have to make some serious consideration or changes mm -hmm. because you're going to run out of money. And when they see that, they're like, oh, well, then what are my options? Mm -hmm. So I like it when when the mediator or the, or the lawyers come to you and give you the scenarios up front rather mm -hmm. than saying, can you guess at this? Yes. Oh, no, no, <laughs> I don't no. want to guess. Give no, me some. No. Give me no. some it's you know. much more helpful to do it that way. Mm -hmm. And also, like you're saying, if you can see things over 15, 20 years and you could see that one spouse is going this way and the other one is going that way, it's easy for both spouses to look at that and say, Oh, okay. Yeah, that's not a good one. Right. And right. they can make, they can say it. You don't have to say anything. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a picture, you know, mm -hmm. it's a, it helps with the anxiety too. Yes. I would say, yes. because most people don't, when they don't know what they don't know, mm -hmm. they kind of feel they're in a corner. Right. So they're like, I got to fight my way to the door yeah. in this negotiation. And when you show them and then they start talking, they're like, oh, that's not so bad. I can, mm -hmm. I can do this because mm -hmm. this doesn't look as terrible as I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. Right. I want to switch gears here. Yeah. So let's get to opportunities. Yeah. Right. We talked about some of the challenges. <laughs> yes. Now let's talk about the rebirth. Right okay. now they're walking through the door. The light's coming You're through. <laughs> you know, they've made it to the other side. So there is opportunity here. It's not all doom and gloom, right? Uh, Adam, you were, you and I were discussing some of the opportunities about lifestyle. Yeah. Right. And renting or the condo market is yeah. another option. So tell us a little bit about that. Some, like so, yeah. So the, the renting idea, I think we touched on it a little bit in the beginning, mm -hmm. the idea of, you know, test drive that new lifestyle, see if you like it. I mean, I think, and, and we've had a lot of clients doing that, you know, leaving kind of like larger suburbs going into the more the downtown core or Westboro or the Glebe, um, you know, getting and, and wanting to live in a small condo that's, you know, walkable to everything mm -hmm. um, just so they can be out in the world again, especially with COVID tempering. It's, it seems, mm -hmm. you know, enticing, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so we tell them typically like, you know, unless they're dead set and they, they have friends in a building and they know where they want to go we say just rent for a year test drive the building see if you like it if you like it great we'll find you a, a condo and you can buy it later but why commit to a brand new lifestyle a new building and everything and buy into it to then find out in six months like, you oh, absolutely this is, hate it this is terrible what have i done yeah, yeah. and now it's like now it's going to cost you yeah. you know x thousands of dollars to sell us and move right seems like the wrong thing to do right yeah. so we typically push them towards the idea of like just just try it for a year or try it for six months if you can find a, a short-term rental um condo market like you're saying i mean it's it's not as uh, as robust a market really as the the housing market it um ottawa's condo market fluctuates quite a bit um as they bring on new buildings all of a sudden, those the, the developers themselves flood the condo market. You have a high level of inventory. You don't have enough buyers for it, so prices stay stagnant, or, or sometimes mm. will even drop until mm. the inventory gets snapped up. Okay. So I'd say it's a it's a fickle market. I mean, there are boom kind of points in the in the condo market uh, in Ottawa, but it, it does a little bit more of this than the housing market does. Mm -hmm. um, so that's just something for people to be mindful of. You know, condos to me are, are at least you know as of uh, today. Um, haven't been a market that's a, an amazing investment opportunity market. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't time your exit properly, you could be exiting it what you paid, you know, right. four or five years ago. Right, right. Okay. Which, and they, which isn't ideal. No. Right. And, yeah. there, and there's yeah. other, th other considerations you have to remember. There's condo fees. Yes. And a lot of, a lot of people mm -hmm. look at the number and they say, oh, 341 for this condo. I can mm -hmm. afford that. Yeah. Then they get there and, and they've got and then these... next year it's, it's 400. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then you've got all those, those extra costs to manage mm -hmm. a condo itself. Yeah. Right. That are never ending. Yeah. Right? Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, property taxes are one thing, but I've seen condos $700. Mm -hmm. Wow. For sure. Seven, $800. That's a mortgage wow, payment. That's incredible. Right. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then there's also special assessments. 
that can happen too, right. where a they roof. say, hey, you have to cough up $10,000 because we're redoing the windows and the condos yeah. or something mm-hmm. like that. Right? Con- condos have gotten better and there's been more regulations put in place where it, it, they try and eliminate these large special assessments by having engineering reports done on a, on a, you know, a certain mm-hmm. uh, time frame mm-hmm. that try and project the capital requirements that need to go into a building. But they're never, it's never perfect. Right. Um, you know, a lot of special assessments that we find these days revolve around snow removal. So, you know, you have a year that is like, oh, it was a heavy oh. snow year. So now we have, everyone has to throw in an extra hundred dollars, you know, because the, the snow guys came back more times than they thought they'd have to. So that's a very common one across the board. Yeah. Um, but the big ones, you know, for windows and roof, older buildings, yes, you see that still happening because they were, they were never budgeted for accordingly. Mm. But the newer stuff, it's called, you know, 10 or 15 years old. Typically speaking, because the engineering reports, they, they have it pretty much uh, figured out. Now, most of those boards are are, are manned or, or persons on the boards are people who own the condos, right? That's right. Yeah. So I could yeah. see where if you had a, a board that was like, you know, let's keep the condo fees really low. Let's yeah. rate down the bottom. Of it. So everyone's like, wow, $200 a month condo fees. That's mm-hmm. amazing. But then. Then you have the special oh, assessment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And from a lending perspective, yeah. they want to see the strata certificate, yeah. right? They okay. want to know yeah. that the lawyer has read the strata certificate to make sure there mm-hmm. are no special levies or assessments mm-hmm. because those can be $10,000. Ten thousand dollars, right? Yeah, it can and, be. And so they don't want it. What happens if the person purchasing the condo can't afford this special? Levy? Well, especially, I mean, if the buyer goes in five percent down, I mean, they have very little skin in the game. Lender That's owns right. a ton of that that property. <laughs> That's right. Special assessment hits that the, the buyer can't afford it. Well, now the lender's there holding the bag on the whole thing. Exactly. Right, right. So yeah, Ooh. I've seen more. I've seen um, condos been declined before they even got like they before they even got to the strata certificate because they knew there were already problems. Wow. So, well, see, I just learned something today. Yeah. And yeah. In, t- in today's world too, I mean, a lot of like you, we talked about at the beginning, a lot of offers are going in unconditional, even in the condo world. So buyers saying, "I don't need a special, I don't oh need a, a status certificate. It's fine. I'll just buy it." Even with that, though, before it closes, the lawyer still needs to actually get one, review yes. it, and report back to the lender and the buyer. Because mm-hmm. a lawyer always because a lawyer always works for both lender and buyer, mm-hmm. right? They're always mm-hmm. in kind of like a multiple representation, you know, piece. Yeah. So even if it's not required by the buyer in the contract, the lawyer still has to do it to tell the lender what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right. Now the good news is with condos is it's a nice way to put your toe back in the water. Right. 100%. So if you're renting and you decide you like the, the building mm-hmm. and you want to buy something there, it, you have less, like it's going to cost you usually less money to buy the condo. Mm-hmm. So you're like, you were saying you, you, you're still, now you're rebuilding your equity again in a property. Mm-hmm. It's not a single family house, but it's something. Mm-hmm. So you're getting things going. You can upgrade later on or keep it and rent it out. So there is opportunity. So there's an opportunity, I would believe, there for real estate to do something. And even, you know, people going through like that kind of a transition. I mean, there's obviously a lot going on in their mind and a lot of changes being, you know, thrown at them. To not have to deal with the maintenance of a home mm-hmm. is huge. Yeah. You know, are yeah. things breaking? There's not really much to, other than the stuff inside the walls of your unit, there's really not much for you to think mm-hmm. about. Right. Um, right. If you want to travel, you know, go see friends, whatever it is you want to do, you, you lock a door and you're gone. That's a great, that's a great yeah. point. Right. And because you know, the, as we get older, that's a, that's a injury. Right. Yeah. Because injuries. a lot of people will go away and yeah. be gone yeah. for three months. If yeah. you have the ability to go down to Florida or something for mm-hmm. three months, your mm-hmm. condos take care of itself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now it's funny you say that about the market. <laughs> I know that um, Brockville's condo market went through the roof yeah. this spring. Um, I have a client, I think it was, I guess a little, an older condo. Now it's on the river, 
but it's not a great location, right? Mm. And I thought the prices of those condos were going over a hundred over asking. That's wow. wild. And that's wow. in, you know, in I mean, in Brockville, right? That's wild. Like six, $700,000 for two bedroom, older <sighs> condos. That's crazy. And I'm like, why are people buying these? But yeah. maybe they're coming from larger cities, yeah. downsizing yeah. and that's okay. But like you say, the timing of the market, that, that, that does not, that is not worth 700 or 600,000. No, it's one of those things that you kind of wonder, is that in, well, in two years or three years, or once COVID's completely in the rear view, is yeah. that going to maintain that mm-hmm. or is it going to drop mm-hmm. yeah. yeah there was quite a wave mm-hmm. i know from my own practice we we probably saw uh, at least 10 percent of new clients that were from like the, the gta yeah, yeah, and sure. we're in a co- small country town in kempville right yeah. but yeah. we had 10 percent increase uh from new clients were coming from the gta area hmm. and i was like so and and you know it's funny because the story was the same why did you come here? Well, I got 1.5 million from my house in Toronto and I, I came here and I bought, I bought four, uh, five, six hundred thousand dollars for us here, bank mm. the money. So that's why I'm here to see you today. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, let's get started. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, it's yeah. great, but mm-hmm. I, I think, I think what, what COVID has taught us is that people are mobile. Like, like mm-hmm. the businesses are becoming more mobile. Mm-hmm. So you can work from anywhere you have an internet connection yeah. and, and, and people mm-hmm. took advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. mm-hmm um let's uh, we're gonna wrap this up in about uh i guess well we're getting really close now latina we're going on about 45 minutes yeah. you want to wrap things up now and then yeah, we're gonna I have think, a part two yeah i feel like we could keep talking yeah question is whether people are going to keep listening yeah. <laughs> please let us know yeah. <laughs> if you want to hear us again <laughs> so yeah so this has been a great conversation yes. and i think lots of value for mm. for people listening mm-hmm. and and really, like you said, learning stuff ourselves that will help us with our own clients. Great. So yep. thank you both for joining us today. Yeah, thanks show. for having me. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And uh, thank you to the listeners for joining in. And please let us know what you think. And if you want more of this kind of content. So for sure. And if they want to get in touch with any of the business Absolutely. professionals we have, it's yeah. at divorcet.ca. Uh, whole lots of information on there, podcasts, we've we've got blog posts that people can educate themselves with and get to know the professionals like mm-hmm. Natalie and Adam. Mm-hmm. So we look forward to you joining us on the next show. We're going to do a part two of this. And I think we're going to probably talk a little bit about maybe some of the uh, emotional parts of being in a great divorce mm-hmm. and the stresses that are around that. So some professionals to join us on that show. Yeah. All right. Well, Tina, thank you for being on the show again, as always. Uh, We'll leave it at that. So everyone out there, uh, take care of yourselves, take care of the people around you, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic. You've been listening to Clean Break, our weekly podcast on life transitions. You can find more topics like today's and other great advice from life transition professionals at mycleanbreak.ca, where we upload audio, video, and blog content every week. MyCleanBreak.ca has clear and simple advice from trusted local professionals to help you get to the other side of any transition.